Thank you for listening to this week's Freedom Church podcast. We hope it helps and inspires you. For today, oh yes, today, we've got the highlight of the whole teaching series. Uh, You're going to be glad you came today because this is going to be, this is probably one of these subjects that every Christian, and I think probably every non-Christian, asks at some point. Why does God not always answer my prayer? We say we do real. This is the real topic. Why does God not always answer my prayer? And I'm going to speak today about some of those challenges. And I'm sure there'll be many people in this room today. You're going, I know that feeling. I have been praying for something. I've been desperate for something to change. Maybe you are sitting here today. You are feeling disappointed about circumstances you're grappling with right now. You are hurt by some decision that got made either on your behalf or you didn't get to make. Maybe there are things that you are, um, you're feeling distrusted about someone, a relationship that's breaking down. There is guilt maybe for something you wish you'd never done and you pray that God would you have done something different and nothing seems to happen. Heaven seems silent. And that's the reality for many of us. Um, I have never quoted this theologian before, but Garth Crooks, the uh, country and western singer, wrote a song called Unanswered Prayer. And um, (laughs) the song is basically a story of how he's out one day with his wife and he bumps into his high school sweetheart. And he sees the girl he used to fall in love with, he loved when he was a teenager. And he says these words, I thank God for unanswered prayer. There's the words of the chorus. And just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. I know it's not correct grammar. That's just the words of the song. All right. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayer. Now, that may be a humorous kind of idea of someone bumping into an ex-girlfriend and go, oh, thank you, Jesus, I didn't go for that one, and I've ended up with a person. Hopefully, it's that way around, not the other way around. Um, the idea that God's greatest gift could be an unanswered prayer. Maybe some of the things you're praying for and the way God is answering could be um, better for you than what you can imagine. But what does the Bible say about this? What can we learn about this? How do we understand what God is trying to do when he seems to be silent? How do we deal with disappointment? And do we just stop praying the big prayers and set the bar really low to give God a chance to answer the prayer we're desperately seeking him for? Part of me thinks this isn't almost the right title. You know, the idea that God doesn't answer our prayers, I think, is our way of understanding what's going on. We've made a request and we haven't got the response we were looking for. Maybe the truth is God, I was just, does answer our prayers. Those of you who've been in the prayer course this last week will have seen on the, uh, the week, we're on week three, they put forward the traffic light analogy that God answers our prayers in three different ways. And this can be quite helpful, but not fully. The idea that God, someone says, you know, yes, of course, I'd love to answer your prayer. It's green. It's a go. It's all, everything's great. Let's crack on. Sometimes it's an amber. It's, it's a wait. Hold on a moment. We're not just quite ready for that. And sometimes it's the dreaded red light. It's no. It's, it's like that's not good for you right now. I believe that God does hear our prayers. And in one sense, he does answer our prayers. Maybe he just doesn't answer them in the way that we want him to answer them. 
John Stott says these words. He says, God will answer no if the things we ask for are either not good in themselves or not good for us or for others, directly or indirectly, immediately or ultimately. If they're not good for us. Bill Hybel says this, if the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says, it's going to rhyme, God says grow. But if the request is right, the timing is right, and you are in the right place, God says go. I think sometimes the reason why we get frustrated with God isn't actually about his answer, it's about his timing. It's his timing. Because we are there going, God, I want this, and I want it now. Now. How does that sound to you? I want it, and I want it now. And God's like going, I've got a better plan for you. We don't always know the reason why. It seems to be yes, no, or wait. But God sees things from a much bigger perspective than you or I. And I, I want to just take, take a few moments this morning to talk about the fact that we use this phrase at Freedom Church, we do real. And I think, to be honest with you, I think we've only scratched the surface of what it means to be real as a church family. We have just started opening up some tough topics. But I want us to be real today because this is a challenging subject and we can't just glibly throw a few verses and hope for the best. I think one of the biggest challenges on the area of unanswered prayer is people like me who stand on platforms and tell glory stories that are full of faith. And everyone goes, oh, if only that was my story. We hear these things celebrated. We hear people tell how God came through and answered their prayer and everything's hunky-dory. You think, I wish that was my situation. I saw just yesterday someone had tweeted, a, a well-known church leader tweeted uh, a psalm and, and declared that you will be shielded from danger, accidents, poverty, disappointments because you have faith in God. And thousands of people liking this tweet. And I'm going, if only it was as simple as that. Because if that is true, then I can't possibly be a Christian because I have suffered from disappointments and hurt and mishaps and things I wish had never happened. We, we can preach faith, but actually life is hard. Maybe you're in a season of life where things are going your way, and I'm, I'm pleased with you, it's fantastic, and everything's working, and relationships are well, and your health is good, and your family all behaving themselves, and everything's great, and the, the money's rolling in, the job is great. Wonderful. We celebrate that. But at some point, many of you know, you hit that wall, you get, your life gets turned around, and something happens, and you're like, where is God, why he's, not, why he's not answering my prayers. Pain is pain. Pain hurts. Pain is not the enemy, but it is very real. And I think sometimes as, as, as Christians, we can preach a message that your earthly pain is of no significance, that we should somehow glide across all pain and it shouldn't affect us. And I think that's a really unhealthy message. God made you. He designed you to feel pain, to be hurting, and to be full of joy and excitement and love and passion. Those emotions are important and powerful. That makes us human. Pain is real. And what I don't want to say to you today is forget your pain, forget your frustrations. I've got a great answer for you. It looks like this. You know, it's three words long and it's going to change your life overnight. The story is one of pain. If you look at the story of Job in the Bible, Job is this guy who's followed God faithfully, who's done all the right things. 
And then suddenly things are taken away from him. Things he loves and cares about, possessions and family and friendships. And he says these words in Job 30, what did I do to deserve this? What did I do? Did I ever hit anyone who was calling for help? Haven't I wept for those who lived a hard life, been heartsick over the lot of the poor? Where did it get me? I expected good, but evil showed up. I looked for light, but darkness fell. My stomach's in a constant churning. It never settles down. Each day confronts me with more suffering. I walk under a black cloud. The sun is gone. He's having a bad day right now. I stand in the congregation and protest. I howl with the jackals. I hoot with the owls. I'm black and blue all over, burning up with fever. My fiddle plays nothing but the blues. Obviously, that's the message version of the Bible. I'm not sure that Job knew what the blues even were, but he was expressing them very well. The truth is there are times in our life we want to kick that can as hard as we can and going, it's not fair. I'm not hearing the answer to prayer I want to hear. And this is the paradox of Christian faith, is that we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And yet right at the end of that valley, God is preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies. The enemies of, of pain and disappointment and frustration. He goes, I've got a great feast for you. It's going to be good. But you're like, yeah, but it hurts. He goes, yeah, but it's going to be great. And we live in that tension of the now and not yet. And it's hard. And to make it sound like if you're a Christian, those things don't affect you is not true. It does. But we walk in the pain and we walk through it, reminding ourselves this is temporary but it still hurts. Jesus said to his followers in John 16, I've told you all these things so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Sorry to tell you that. But take heart, he carries on. Take heart because I have overcome the world. Or Psalm 30 says, weeping comes in the night, but joy comes in the morning. I don't know what you're facing right now, but I want to say whatever challenge you're facing, God is with you and there is joy coming. It may not just be you're experiencing that joy right now. God has promised to never leave you or forsake you. Just because God is silent doesn't mean he is distant. He's very close. He is near. And I can read you all sorts of verses here about what God does for us. We can know the glory and the suffering, says Romans 5. And often we want to escape that suffering. We want to escape the challenge we're facing. But sometimes God says, actually, I want you to walk through that. I want you to learn through that. I want you to be shaped through that. Because, you see, Jesus himself walked through suffering and challenges and loneliness and disappointment. And because he has that empathy, he's not a distant God. He goes, I get it. I understand. I find it fascinating that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, experienced unanswered prayer. You think of anybody who would have the, the ear of God, who would be able to persuade his Father to do his wishes, it would be Jesus. But I want to show you today three prayers that Jesus said that God didn't answer. Three prayers that the Son of God asked for and Father God said, no, well, not yet. Number one was this. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, 
Um, in a month's time, about 15 of us are going to be out in the Garden of Gethsemane from the church here. Amazing space on the Mount of Olives overlooking Jerusalem. And Jesus was there uh, having a time of prayer in John 17, one of the most famous uh, prayers you re- have recorded of Jesus. And he is saying these words in John 17. He is calling on to his father and he says, Father, I want my followers to be united, to be one. If I can find some words here. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you've given me because they belong to you. And he's praying this prayer. I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world. So they'll be filled with my joy. And he carries on asking. He says to his father, God, would you make them one as you and I are one? Jesus' prayer is that his followers, the church, would be united. And yet... There are seven churches in Romsey, and there are some 35,000 different denominations of churches around the world. The church is not united. The church is not together as one. That was his prayer, and it went unanswered. God, would you unite my followers? And yet almost as soon as Jesus finishes prayer, they are arguing over who's the greatest, over who can sit at the right and the left. They're arguing over who's going to, you know, disappoint Jesus. They're arguing over whether Peter, you know, actually should walk on water. Or not. They're arguing, they're disagreeing because they're not united. And God's, Jesus' prayer was that we would be one. Maybe one of your prayers is that you're praying for relational harmony. You're praying that there would be relationships in your life that are one. And that prayer is not being answered. You know, God, why is heaven silent? The second prayer Jesus prayed was probably about the same time in the same place in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he was arrested. And the, the, the Bible gives great detail this moment where Jesus is on his knees. He's praying. He's told his disciples to keep watch and they keep falling asleep. So it's okay. We're in good company. If you ever fall asleep when you're praying, the disciples did that as well. And I've, I even had a chance to interview the Archbishop of Canterbury and he confessed to me that when he prays, he sometimes falls asleep. That's okay, isn't it? So anyway, it's a true story. He then told me, this is great. He said, I've now adopted a special kneeling position. So that if I fall asleep, I get woken up when I fall over. There we go. Even if the archbishop falls asleep, uh, you can do it as well. Jesus' disciples fell asleep. And Jesus was there praying. He says he was praying so fervently that it was like sweat. He was sweating blood. He was desperate. What was his prayer in uh, Luke 22? His prayer was... Take this cup. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Jesus saying, I don't want to go through this dying on the cross thing. It's going to hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable to say the least. And he's saying, God, will you take this cup of suffering? I don't want to be dealing with it. And his prayer goes unanswered. Jesus, the Son of God, doesn't get his prayer answered. And I know many people say, I'm struggling with suffering. I'm struggling with health. I'm struggling with an uncertainty in my workplace. I'm suffering in my relationships. Would you take it away from me, God? Would you take this cup away from me? And heaven seems silent, just like it was on that day to Jesus himself. The third prayer Jesus prayed an unanswered prayer was when Jesus was hanging on the cross, dying on the cross, or what would become known as Good Friday. 
And what's his prayer in Mark 15? He actually quotes a psalm, Psalm 22. And he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, abandoned me? Why have you left me alone? Why am I isolated? And maybe you've prayed those prayers. God, I am feeling lonely. I am on my own. I don't feel like you're near me. And like with Jesus, heaven seems silent. And if the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself, could pray three prayers and have all of them unanswered, we probably shouldn't be overly surprised when we as God's children also have prayers that go unanswered. Maybe for you, those areas of unity and suffering and loneliness are things that you're also asking God about. But as we just said, we do real and pain is pain. It still hurts. God doesn't help us to escape from our suffering. I believe God sent his son Jesus to experience those, that pain and that challenge so he could understand what it was like. And he commits to walking with us through our difficulties, through our challenges. Even to the end of the age, he says he'll be with us. And one of the things I'd love to challenge us about this morning, and, I, and I'm trying to be careful how I say this, I don't want to offend anybody. But when, when my children were small, let's say when they were small, I'm sure it doesn't happen anymore, but they ask me for things. And if I say no, they get upset with me. And if they ask me for something, I say, yes, you can have that. They say, oh, daddy, I love you. Best daddy in the world, absolutely. But the moment I say no, and it became a little joke, Lottie and I would often say, everything was fine until we said no. And then suddenly that becomes a bit of a problem. And, and, and yet, with children, when they are small, they do not understand the bigger picture. You know, a bit like you're standing on the side of the road with a small child and they see the ice cream van the other side of the road. and They want to run to the ice cream van. They want an ice cream because it looks great. It's a hot day and, it, and the images on the side of the van look amazing. And as they go to run, you as a parent put your hand out and stop them because there's a car coming up the road which they didn't see. But as far as the child's concerned, you said no or wait. But as, hopefully, I'm hoping, as our children get older, they understand that as parents, we are doing everything we can to express our love for our children and doing whatever we can to help them grow in the way they need to grow. And sometimes that requires answers that they don't want to hear. Sometimes it is, no, or you need to wait for that, or that's not good for you. And sometimes it will be yes as well. And some, I'm just concerned that as, as, as followers of Christ, that our relationship with God in our prayer life can sometimes be a little bit immature. That we want something. And when we don't get what we want, we have no time for God. God, unless you say, yes, I don't really love you. It's a transactional, immature relationship. Prayer is how we communicate and build relationship with God It is not a list of requests for which, like a child stamping their feet, we demand answers that gratify us immediately. 
that image of a child going, I want it, I want it now, like some sort of character out of Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, and going, I just want what I want, I want it now, come on, Daddy. And he's like, oh, it's not, how are we going to do this? God loves us, and he wants to build a relationship with us. He doesn't want an immature, transactional relationship. We ask him for something, he does or doesn't give it what we want, and immediately. But he wants a friendship and a relationship, knowing that he has our best interest at heart. Because here's the important part of the story of Jesus, is that he goes through this suffering. He goes through these unanswered prayers. And ultimately, the weekend comes to an absolute climax on Easter Sunday. And there is resurrection, and Jesus comes back to life. And there is hope restored once more. And Father and Son are reunited as he ascends back to the heavenlies. And there is a future coming but it's not always the now. And some of us are living in our Good Fridays and our silent Saturdays, but we're not quite at the Easter Sunday. And Jesus knows that. He's experienced that. And the message of unanswered prayer isn't that God doesn't answer your prayer. It may be that he's just not answering it the way you're expecting him to. And he's got something better for you. He's already planned it. He's already prepared it. He has got heaven waiting. He's got eternal life. He has got joy abounding. And sometimes we think, oh, God, I just want this new toy. He's like, I've, I've given you eternal life in my presence. What more could you want? And we're so sort of looking down instead of looking at the face of Jesus and knowing he loves us and wants the best for us. When we look into his eyes, we realize the depth of love he has for us. Let's get the worship team up here as we bring things to an end and move into time of communion. The truth is, I think I have, not I think, I know. I know I have learnt more in my lifetime through unanswered prayer than when God has said yes. I've learned more every time God said no or not yet. And I think, really, why? The truth is, you know, right now, even just coming up these last few weeks, I'm experiencing a, a disappointment, an unanswer to prayer. Some of you know, many years ago, I was, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, a, a chronic lifelong disease. And 15, 16 years ago, we received prayer and all pain went. And all kind of challenges and, and frustrations and struggles went, disappeared. And I thought I was healed. I went to see my consultant who I saw every year. And I said, you can take me off your list. God has healed me. And uh, for 14 years, probably I've been pain-free and it's been great. And then four or five weeks ago, suddenly it begins again. And I'm like, God, I thought you'd answered my prayer. I felt disappointment. I'm like, the illness is the illness, we'll fix that, sort it, or whatever happens, happens. But God, I thought you'd come good. And now I'm feeling like that didn't work. And I'm feeling disappointed. But I'm also trusting God. Can you understand that? That I can do both at the same time. And, and some days I feel more disappointed than trusting, let's be honest. But I'm endeavoring to say, God, I'm choosing to trust you because I know there is a future and a hope that I can't see yet, even though I'm living in my own disappointment and when those answers sound like there are no's or waits or we just don't hear God I want to encourage you to push into God 
I thought that story from Rob earlier was amazing. To hear someone's story, he was, read his blog, it's so honest. To say, I was so disappointed I ran away from God. But there came a moment of coming back and going, I want to be in relationship with you. And I understand when people don't get the answers they expect, the, the, the tendency is to run, to walk away. But God says, come close because I want to be close to you. And I don't understand what's going on, but let's push into God. Like a child just hugs their parents when they feel pain and uncertainty. We need to do the same. And I'm choosing to push into God. That's why taking communion is such an important thing to do regularly. Because in the middle of our uncertainty, in the middle of our frustration, in the middle of the I'm not sure what's going to happen next moments, we can be certain that Jesus, the Son of God, died and rose again. He, his body was broken. His blood was shed. He took our place so that we can be whole again, that we can have life eternal and life in all its fullness. And fullness doesn't just mean niceness. It means the full imagination of life from the best moments and the worst moments, the full breadth of living with God right next to us. So I'm going to invite us to take communion together. I'm just going to pray for us first of all. Let me read you this verse from Romans chapter 8. Who then is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus, the anointed one, for he gave his life for us. And even more than that, he has conquered death and is now risen, exalted, and enthroned by God at his right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our triumph? Jesus is praying for you. He is sitting at the right-hand side of the, of the Father, and he is praying for you because he understands because he's also experienced unanswered prayer. John Wimber used to say, the good news is that Jesus is praying for you. The bad news is you're going to need it. <laughs> wow. Let's, let's understand, this is, this is real, the paradox of faith and humanity side by side. And as we take a moment now just to take communion, let's push into God and even if you are going through uncertain times, just to take the bread and the wine and saying, I'm choosing to look you full in the face, Father God, and trust that you know what is best for me today. For more information about Freedom Church, please go to www.freedomchurch.uk. Thank you for listening.